Wellspring Podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Last week we started our study in the book of Philippians, and we're going to be in Philippians. But first, I want to begin looking at a few verses from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk prophesied, he was a contemporary with uh, folks like Jeremiah and Nahum, Obadiah, just a little bit before the time of Ezekiel and Daniel. He prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah during a time when they were facing an, an imminent invasion by the Babylonians, which we remember from our study in Daniel, that's where they were carried off to. And instead of listening and hearing what the prophet had to say to them with regards to warnings from God to them, instead of hearing that and repenting and returning to the Lord, their wickedness just kind of continued to get worse. And so as Habakkuk saw the wickedness of not only his own people, but also the wickedness of those whom were coming to invade them and take them off into captivity, God using as instruments of correction, in his frustration, he ends up kind of questioning God about all of this. And so in the very first chapter of Habakkuk, beginning in verse 2, I just want to read a few verses. This is, this is Habakkuk, the prophet, kind of voicing his frustration to God. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Almost sounds like a commentary on today, doesn't it? <laughs> this is what Habakkuk is saying to him. He's asking God about his tolerance with the wickedness of not only Judah, but everyone else around him. God answers him and kind of summed up in verses 5 and 6. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. And at that point, you and I would say, say what? <laughs> Why would you do that, God? I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. The prophet asked a second question after that first one which is summed up in verse 13. Look at that verse. If you turn to Habakkuk, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? In light of God's answer to Habakkuk's first question, he expresses disappointment that God would use 
the Babylonians, who, as far as Habakkuk was concerned, were a whole lot more wicked than his own people, Judah. Okay? That's kind of where he's coming from. Why would God use him to take Judah into captivity? And so he's going back and forth with God, but he finally comes around as he makes an attitude adjustment, if you will, and, 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 and makes a great declaration. And what he finishes up this book with kind of turns into somewhat of a worshipful hymnal prayer. And it's in chapter 3. And it goes like this. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produced no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Are you hearing what he's saying? In other words, everything's wrong. Nothing to feel good about. But look what he says. Yet I will yes. rejoice yes. Yes. <laughs> in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yes. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Nestled into these questions that Habakkuk has asked the Lord and God's responses to Habakkuk in this short book are principles of hope that every believer can rely on when their environment is in chaos, when wicked people seem to be flourishing, and when we seek to try and make sense of it all and find some kind of certainty in our times and for our future. We are going to be a part of a global event today, as Marilyn has mentioned, in International Day of Prayer. And it just so, as God would have it, where we are in the book of Philippians, it's, we find Paul incarcerated <laughs> because of his faith because of his preaching the gospel message. But before we get there, I want to introduce you to, through a video, a follower of Jesus Christ who lives in Nigeria. In her story, we see a, a modern-day situation of what Habakkuk addressed and points our hearts towards a right and proper biblical, godly response as biblical disciples when all around us seems to be falling apart. My name is Rebecca. I live in the north of Nigeria. One evening I was out with my daughter and on our way home we saw smoke rising above our village. We were under attack. There was nothing we could do to defend ourselves. My husband and I were married in that village. My wedding day, it was the happiest day of my life. Some members of our church gave us a wedding gift. It was a Bible. We read it together, every day. And when our children were old enough, we read it to them and their friends. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them. And do not 
For such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 14. On the day our village burnt to the ground, my husband and my son were killed in the attack. I was devastated. I mourned for many months. Some of us were able to return to our village to reclaim anything that was left. I found a Bible. Parts of Genesis and Revelation were burnt, but the rest was mostly intact. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a wild flower. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. I still use this Bible. It reminds me of God's faithfulness. Naked I came from my mother's womb, but naked I shall return there. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is a husband to all widows. I look to him for every need. This is what I am still holding on to. Since the beginning of Christianity, people have been suffering because of their faith in Jesus. I wonder if the book of Habakkuk was, had crossed the Apostle Paul's mind when he was writing his letter to the Philippians. Chapter 1, we'll be picking up with verse 12. Paul exemplifies for us, as we've already seen, the decision to live a joyful life in spite of troubling circumstances. Remember who it is that we're talking about here. The persecutor has become the persecuted. The hunter has become the hunted. He wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. Instead, he went as a prisoner. And as a Roman citizen, he had the right to be treated with fairness and justice. Instead, he had been mistreated, falsely accused, and unjustly arrested. On top of all this, during his journey to Rome, he was involved in, in a horrendous shipwreck. You guys remember that? I think they spent like a couple weeks shipwrecked out on the ocean in storm. Now, if anybody had a right to look at the world through dim lenses, <laughs> complaining that he had been victimized, it would certainly be the Apostle Paul. But even through it all, he did not complain. He was confident. Despite hardship, he was joyful in spite of others' ill will towards him. And he was hopeful regardless of the uncertainties that he faced. 
like so many modern-day Christians living in hostile and restrictive areas today, he chose to live boldly and courageously for the gospel's sake. And so in this section of chapter 1, Paul continues to show us the importance of, de of developing the habit of joy. We mentioned last week how everything we do, or all of our habits are learned habits. And this is true, right? Which means bad habits can be unlearned, good habits can be learned. And I think we all would agree that the habit of joy would certainly be a good habit to have. Look at verses 12 through 14 with me. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What are these verses telling us? What is Paul saying to us? No matter the circumstance, no matter how bad, look for what God is doing in and through it. That's exactly what he's doing here. This is exactly what he sees God doing. He, here he is stuck in Rome under house arrest, no doubt tempted to say, woe is me. Man, my life is messed up. Can't do what I want to do. Can't go where I want to go. Woe is me. <laughs> Dreams had vanished, you might think. Instead, Paul finds a way to say, like you and I must, you know what? The situation may not be good, but oh my God, <laughs> look at the good that is coming from it. The palace guard, he writes, is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. He's saying that since I've been in prison, many people have stepped up to take my place. Paul's circumstances had turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. I love that, don't you? There's no pouting here. There's no woe is me kind of mentality. Rather than viewing his chains as intolerable restrictions, he saw them as God-appointed instruments to get the message of the gospel all the way into the Roman imperial barracks. Because of his imprisonment under the ever-watching eye of Roman soldiers, the cause of Christ had become known, as he says, throughout the whole palace guard. In other words, church, the gospel had infiltrated into places it never would have without Paul's unjust arrest. No wonder he says, oh my, look what God is doing. So must we. Think about it. With each changing of the guard came a whole new opportunity for sharing Christ. 
I mentioned last night that I could just kind of hear and imagine some of those Roman guards saying, oh, no, I got to go in there again <laughs> and be fastened to this guy and hear his story. I think I'll call in sick. <laughs> With every time the guard would change, another opportunity to share his story of conversion. The gospel message of Jesus Christ. How he was once a persecutor of Christians. How he had gone from enemy to emissary overnight. None of this could have happened had Paul chosen despair. Instead of joy, instead of asking why did this have to happen to me, he asked, how is this resulted for God's glory and for his benefit. He rejoiced that unfair, even though through unfair circumstances that were brought about by those trying to silence him, ended up actually amplifying the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? I'm hoping that you're sitting there right now and the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart and saying, how can God do that through me? <laughs> when it might look terrible, when you're tempted to go, man, it's just, this is the worst thing that could happen. Really? Maybe God wants to use it to make the, the best thing that could happen for his kingdom, for his glory, for the salvation of somebody else. His own Christ-like perspective and attitude during imprisonment encouraged those who were still free. They could put up with more, suffer more, speak out more, and spread the gospel with far more courage and boldness than they had ever before. Paul was impacting them, influencing them in that way. On the evening of July 1st, 2015... Four masked gunmen charged into Mohammed Youssef's home, pushed his wife aside, and demanded to talk to him. And after he stepped forward, the gunmen escorted the 43-year-old father of three outside of his home in Kashmir Valley of North India and shot him to death, shooting him seven times. Those who worked with Yosef described him as being fearless, Bold and a passionate believer who would not be quiet for Christ. I love that. In other words, he just, in our vernacular, he just wouldn't shut his mouth <laughs> talking about Jesus no matter how dangerous. While India is nearly 81% Hindu, the territory of Kashmir is predominantly Muslim. In the Kashmir Valley, 97% of the nearly 7 million residents are Muslim. Islamic militants in the region have created a war zone in an effort to stop the spread of Christianity there. And before his death, Yosef discussed the Islamist efforts and said, In Kashmir, we can see that the Islamic leaders starting a movement to crush the believers in Kashmir Valley. But this book, and he was referring to the Bible, has changed my life, he said. I want to share my testimony 
of it. Which is amazing, isn't it? Despite the dangers, Yusef boldly shared his faith in big ways. He helped create a disciple-making movement among Muslim converts, no less, and distributed thousands of Bibles and copies of the Jesus film. Voice of the Martyrs workers tell us that because of Yosef's bold witness and his influence on others to do the same, it would be accurate to say that Muslims have been receptive to the gospel in the church at Kashmir. And the church in Kashmir is growing. Through the tragic death of Yosef, God is working and continuing to do something amazing and wonderful. When you face a difficulty, whether it's a minor inconvenience or a major catastrophe, make it a habit to ask what good can ultimately come of this. God, what are you doing? And how through this can you receive glory? And be honored. God, how can you be lifted up through this situation, through this circumstance? What Paul's enemies had intended as a death blow to his ministry had breathed new life into the first century church. We can see how Paul took this attitude to the next level and applied it to his colleagues in ministry who were actually, some of them, trying to stir up trouble for him as if he wasn't in already enough trouble. Look at verse 15 with me. It says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But look at his attitude. But what does it matter? <laughs> the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives, please notice he doesn't say false teaching here like he would in Galatians, false motives, or true, Christ is being preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Besides being confident even in the midst of hardship, Paul was also joyful in spite of people trying to hurt him and harm him even more. While Paul is stuck under house arrest, he had to count on others to carry on the work of spreading the gospel beyond the cities that he and other apostles had already reached and established. And some were doing a good job of that, he lets us know. They had picked up the torch and were burying it honorably in the same spirit of self-sacrificial love as Paul had. I think of folks like Timothy and Luke and Mark, just to name a few. And others were faithful to, to the cause of Christ. But others, not so much. They were infringing on his mission field with less honorable motives. It's not that they were preaching heresy or false doctrine. Some began preaching the gospel, not because the love of Christ was compelling them to do it, but because they saw an opportunity. Yeah. 
They're opportunists, if you, you might could say, to move in on what Paul had done and to get a little of the glory that they thought that he had been receiving. Wrong motives. Paul could have focused on several negative things here. He could have gone into attack mode if he wanted to. He, he could have allowed himself to be filled with anger and contempt, but instead he chose an attitude of joy. He chose to look for what God was doing. He says, Christ was being preached. <laughs> so we're to look for what God is doing. And then Paul also continues and lets us know that not only we are we to do that, but we are to believe that what God is doing and what he is working is that he's working his best. We see that Paul believes God is in control and that ultimately things are going to work out for the best. He was facing an uncertain future there in Rome. He knew that perhaps he would be tortured. He could possibly even be executed for his faith in Christ. And yet he says, Look at verse 19 and 20 with me. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So far, we've seen Paul model for us a particular lifestyle by his remaining confident through hardship and by his choosing to be joyful in spite of his uh, others tr trying to hurt him and harm him, rob him of reasons to rejoice. But there's no way that was going to work on the apostle. Paul shows us how to be hopeful regardless of an uncertain future. And that's something we need to pay attention to, folks. Wouldn't you agree? With the gospel spreading and people proclaiming Christ, not simply in spite of Paul's imprisonment, but because of his imprisonment, Paul was greatly encouraged. He's not down in the mully grubs moping becoming grumpy and bitter, he's encouraged. Yes. This helped boost his trust in God instead of deflating his confidence and beginning to question God and feel sorry for himself. Yes, Paul's future was filled with countless uncertainties. His legal situation in Rome could conceivably take any number of negative turns even tragic ones. But Paul chose to be hopeful. Paul chose to be hopeful in spite of the uncertainties. He was confident that the Philippians' prayers and the Lord's provision would ultimately result in his deliverance. And I do believe in light of what he will be saying later, even in this chapter, he's not talking about deliverance by way of death because his, his heart 
is to continue on and to once again be and join up with these Philippian people. So I think here it is referring, likely referring to a little release from being under house arrest. And most scholars agree that actually occurred and happened. Paul, but, but what if he, he wasn't set free? It comes with the territory, right? But what if it didn't happen? What if his opponent somehow rigged the system like they had done in the case of Jesus? What if Paul faced the same path as his Lord? It's like, didn't matter. <laughs> Despite these uncertainties, his hope remained intact. He was unafraid. He is unashamed. Whether he lived or died, he knew that Christ would be exalted. And church, for Paul, that is all that mattered. Can we say that of our own lives? Real contentment, true joy, as we have been saying last week and this week, have nothing to do with your circumstances. It comes down to a choice. It is our choice. And everything to do with our attitude. I want you this week, I want to encourage you to start sowing the seeds of the habit of joy. Start saying thank you. Start saying thank you to God and to your kids and to your boss and to your spouse, to your neighbor, whoever. Just, just be thankful and say it. Start looking for what God is doing in and through your life and through your circumstances. You, you and I, we, we can't control the circumstances and we can't control what others do, right? But we can control the choices that we make. <laughs> so make it a habit to say, God, what are you up to? And to you be all the glory. My life is yours. Do with me as you want. And expand your kingdom. May my life be a source of light and truth to somebody else. May my life push back the darkness as your light is shining in and through my life. And then expect that whatever it is that God is doing, it will be his very best. Amen. He loves us. He has nothing but good on his mind and heart for us. We can believe that. It's who our God is. Trust God's ability to turn any situation, no matter how difficult the situation around for his glory. Choose to cling to hope. Focus on Christ despite your circumstances. I really appreciate what some years ago worship leader and songwriter Rita Springer once said. You won't know that God is all you need until you have gone through a season in which God is all you have. This is the secret of being content. 
And hopefully through our lives, it will be the worst kept secret ever. (laughs) Knowing that you already have everything you need. And you know what? He will never, ever leave you. In the places around the world where Christianity is forbidden, and all those saints of God are being beaten and killed for the sake of the gospel, God is advancing his kingdom. People are choosing to embrace the gospel message rather than fear, choosing joy rather than misery. Worshippers stand shoulder to shoulder on the auditorium floor as musicians sing and play joyfully from the stage. The balcony is also crowded. Even more people cluster around the doors and windows to join in the worship of Jesus. The most surprising thing about this packed service is its location. It's taking place in Muslim-majority Algeria, where religions other than Islam face tight government restrictions. As evidenced by the worship service, the restrictions haven't hindered the Berber Christians, that's a people group in this particular area from live, who live in northern Algeria. Within the last 30 years, the Berber people have reclaimed their heritage as the original inhabitants of that region, rejecting the language, culture, and religion that has been imposed on them by Arab Islamic invaders beginning all the way back into the 7th century. Having rejected Islam, many Berbers are now embracing Christianity. (laughs) Christian churches are growing exponentially. In that region, some consisting of a handful of believers meeting in a living room, others meeting in newly constructed church buildings with complete church staffs as well in that particular place. Some of the churches, voice of of the martyrs workers that have been involved with their let us know that some of these churches have even sent missionaries out of their own congregations to share Christ with Algerian Arabs. The very people who have oppressed Berber Christians for centuries, they are now turning around and sharing the love of Jesus with. Churches are allowed to meet openly, but not without risk. Outspoken Christians are sometimes beaten by Muslims in the community and vandals throw rocks during church services and deface church buildings. Converts to Christianity are often rejected by their families and cannot find work to support themselves, but the church continues to grow as the love of Christ continues to win hearts in Algeria. People are paying a steep price. Our brothers and sisters in other places around the world because of Jesus. The predominantly most way that folks are being persecuted are from their very own family members. 
once a family hears that somebody in the family has given their lives to Jesus Christ, they are brutally beaten often, abused, forced to leave the home, forced to leave the village or community, and put in a very, very bad place. And then, of course, you add to that the extremist militant groups who are out against Christianity as well, and it's a tough deal. But they are choosing Jesus. They're choosing joy. They're choosing to love rather than be angry and be filled with contempt. I am hoping that we will catch a glimpse of God's heart for them. And as Marilyn said earlier, that's not somebody else. And we, I don't think, should be sitting here thinking, man, I'm glad we're not them. We are them. They are a part of us. From heaven, there is one church. And we are all connected in that sense. My prayer is that we would catch that heartbeat of God and not just pray once a year like we're going to do here in a moment, but that we would pray often, if not daily. And once again, I would encourage you to go on Voice of the Martyrs website, sign up to receive emails from them. Some of you already are doing that. I encourage you, others, would you care enough? Would you care enough to do so? People are hurting because of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.